Welcome to another episode of uh, Pop Culture Historians. I'm Ryan Ritter, and that's Jimmy McShane. Jimmy, engage. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I have, I, have, I have my new robot co-host with me. Uh, that was beautiful, did you, yeah. Did you like him? I did. I liked him a lot. <laughs> uh, and that... And that, of course, means um, we're talking about Doctor Who's old foe. Uh, their second appearance in the show's the canon, I guess, quote unquote, uh, the dastardly Daleks. You know what that means? We're talking about the Dalek invasion of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to set the table a little bit. Uh, this, is a, this is, of course, our uh, Doctor Who watch slash rewatch. It's a first time for me. I've never seen the show. This is a rewatch for Jimmy. Uh, I can I consider you the uh, premier expert, at least in, of the people I know. And um, <laughs> people I don't know don't matter. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there's fun. definitely more knowledgeable Doctor Who fans out there than me. Yeah, I would say you're the expert, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth, of course, the second serial of the second series. Again, um, remind me. The, these are considered series or seasons. Uh, I, I, it seems that the terminology is a little interchangeable with the old I mean, stuff and the new stuff. Yeah, I guess typically the way it's done is the older stuff they call the season and the new series is each is a series, like series one, series two for the new ones and then season one, season two for the old ones. Got it. Um, All right. so, so this would be the, uh, second se- the second serial, the second season. No, uh, I definitely... I've only mm-hmm. seen people online be like, all right, um, can't wait for season, what are we on? Season 38 or whatever we're on right now. Lord yeah. almighty. Oh, people most just go straight through. Some people will do, but um, most don't. Most it's season one for the old stuff, series one for the new stuff. I think that makes sense, right? I think especially for, I'm sure there's a significant portion of the, uh, of the fan base and the viewing audience that just, well, I mean, that's how you started, right? With, uh, I just want to do like just the new stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Dalek Invasion of Earth, second, second serial of the second season, aired in six parts between uh, November 21st, 1964, to December 26th, 1964. Ooh, day after Christmas. Brick. Uh, ben holds five. Um, <laughs> I call it Brick Day. Uh, do you want to set course, this up a little bit? Of course, Boxing Day, right? What's that? They call that Boxing Day in Britain. 
The day after uh, Christmas is actually a holiday in Britain. Uh, you know, I think I did know that. I think I thought that was Canadian for some reason. Oh, it could be Canadian. I don't know as well. I don't know that, but I know in Britain, man, they call it Boxing Day. Nice. Uh, well, uh, they, uh, happy, uh, happy Boxing Day to them here. They got a, a pretty significant episode on Boxing Day 1964. Should we just rip the yeah. Band-Aid off on that right away? Uh, do we want to set the table? What do you want to do here? We can set the table a little bit, I guess. Uh, right. so this, this was filmed along with Playing the Giants as part of the season one filming block, actually. And they decided to wait for season two. Uh, and so, you know, of course, I talked about last week how Donald Wilson, head of BBC Serials, actually wanted to start season two with this one, but was unable to because we have our first major cast departure with this episode, with this serial. Of course, Carol yeah. fourth season moves on. So we have our big, first big change on the screen, we also have our first big change behind the screen, uh, the scenes as well. This is going to be the last story in which David Whitaker is the story editor. I actually didn't know that. That's yeah, start, starting with the next one, Dennis Booner, who wrote the uh, Reign of Terror season, what ended up being the season one finale, takes over for the for him as script editor. This is not going to be the last we talked about David Whitaker. He's still going to contribute scripts for the series, but this is the last time. He's going to be the one editing scripts and being the one who looks for, for new scripts and stuff like that. So we can, that's something we can kind of look at on how to, uh, you know, maybe how the show changes even in slight or significant ways with the new script editor and Dennis Spooner. Yeah, I think that that's actually a fair, I didn't know that. And I'm glad that he comes back to uh, contribute scripts because there's certain names I've gotten used to seeing at the end of uh at the end of the episodes, like Terry and Asian and uh, Verity Lambert. And uh, David Whitaker is one of those names too. So I'm glad that he's still around. But this does seem like a good time to kind of look back on um, what we've seen so far. And uh, I'm, I'm riffing a little bit because I wasn't anticipating talking about this, but um, how we feel the scripts have been edited thus far. And then we can kind of mark that going forward. I don't know how long uh, Spooner's run is, but um, uh, how do we how do we feel he did in his time as uh, script editor? Well, I will I will say um, some of it's hard to some of it's hard to judge because as script editor he's he's the one looking for scripts, but he'll also will add and take things away. Like the doctor's famous speech at the end of this serial to Susan was written by David Whitaker and not by Terry Nation, and mm. so mm. Mm-hmm. it could be some ways in which it'll be difficult to quite judge the impact of of uh of terry nation's contribution i mean not terry nation's but david whitaker's contributions but i mean i think he was he's the first one to do it yeah and i think that's pretty significant um and you know he kept the show going he wrote the uh the two-parter at the destruction in season one when they needed two episodes to fill he went out and got some good writers, I think, for the Aztecs and Marco Polo. Uh, and, you know, uh, he was able to figure out different settings that made sense for the show, I think. And he, with him, it alternated between sci-fi, histor- you know, educa- educational, historical, sci-fi, educational, historical, which is kind of an interesting case as well. What did you think, Ryan? Yeah. Um, what I will say is of the stuff we've seen so far, it felt like the show had a pretty good feel for um, when they wanted to give a character a moment, except for 
one character who is now departed, um, giving them like a moment, like you've, I think we've referred to um, the doctor's speech on uh, Edge of Destruction. Um, we, we talked about that, that episode. That's kind of this defining moment. Um, uh, I think Barbara's off, gotten some pretty great moments. They had a feel for giving these characters like these big defining moments. Um, and the show also had a tendency sometimes with longer serials to sag somewhere in the middle. How much of that <laughs> falls in the purview of the, uh, of the script editor, I don't know. It's not a position I'm super familiar with. I don't know how it was defined in the 60s. But those are the big well, takeaways I, think, I have. Um, the, I think the big thing was he was basically like, we, have seven, we need a seven-episode serial here. And he'd go it. find someone to write that. We need a four-episode serial here. You go find someone to write that. And he'd take different ideas. And then there's even like some, some scripts that never got filmed, but they still existed. And some of them even been recorded on audio with the surviving cast and stuff like that. And so, oh, really? yeah. Like there's, there's one I actually listened to where they, this TARDIS theme goes back with Alexander the Great um, and kind of is there when he dies and stuff like that. And so, and that script still exists. It just never got filmed for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't things up to stuff or it's just, you know, I'm not exactly sure the reason why that one never got, got made it to screen. It could just been the timing was wrong or sure. scripts and they shelved it and then it just never got back to it. Uh, but that, you know, that's part of what that job was to do. Yeah. And I do think you made a good point. I think uh, a great one of the great virtues of that first season uh, is the show never, never felt stale. Like the, the, the types of stories were staggered very nicely. So you need to get that alternating between historical sci-fi, historical sci-fi, um, which is good. Cause even if um, you were kind of got hit with a serial that wasn't super interesting, you kind of knew, okay, in three or four weeks, uh, there's going to be a change of scenery and it's going to be something totally different. And um you know, I suppose if I'm totally uninterested, I can always just tune in again <laughs> later. I think I think that was a good call, and I don't know how much that's maintained through the history of the show. It's already been kind of—I mean, I, I assume for story reasons or uh, behind-the-scenes reasons—that's already been kind of messed with here in uh, season two, which doesn't make it any better or worse. But it's just an observation that I've made. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and well, and you know, I feel like. You know, he had to have a voice in taking stories like the, the Daleks and stuff like that, which, you know, if you remember Sidney Newman, head of the BBC dramas at the time, didn't want any monsters or bug-eyed monsters and stuff like that, which the Daleks basically are. And so, right. uh, you know, I, I got to think, you know, obviously Verity Lambert was a big part of that decision to go with the Daleks too, but I got to think, you know, he was, that's his purview was finding scripts and finding Terry Nations who wrote that script. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how much. I don't know how much turnover there's going to be outside of just the sands of time with the uh, script editors. But yeah, this will be a fun thing to track as we go forward. Um, do we want to give a little post mortem now to our big casting cha- change uh, on screen? The way I look at it, we can just maybe talk about the circumstances behind the scenes that led to this moment. And then when we do our breakdown, when we get to that, you know, by the end of this episode, we'll kind of get to that last scene and we can talk about 
um, how we felt about how she departed. Does that work? That works. Yeah. So yeah, cool. we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, Carrie Ann Ford be gone <laughs> pretty quickly too. This this I I, I kind of figured she wasn't going to be a long term cast member um, simply because after the first serial, they promptly ran out of things to do for her. But I wasn't anticipating her like bailing David Caruso style uh, a couple episodes into season two. Uh, I suspect you're going to have some insight into what, might, what was going might, on back there. You might need to give some context to the David Caruso style comment. Oh yeah, I guess we're in a we're in a world where no, not everyone's going to know what that means. Uh, uh, big ABC show from the '90s, NYPD Blue, um, which most people are probably familiar with uh, in passing as a name. Uh, their big star was um, uh, David Caruso. Uh, this was before his uh, becoming a meme through CSI Miami. Um, he was once a he's once a, it's hard to believe he was once a very serious and respected actor. Um, and the show was a hit, and he decided. Absolutely good. Even on the NYPD Blue, I didn't think it was that great. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, <laughs> when we do our big NYPD Blue rewatch, we'll <laughs> for that. Um, no, great show. Yeah, he is good. He he was good. He wasn't great, but the show was yeah. a major hit due to some, you know, controversies. You know, this is one of the first shows <laughs> to kind of show uh, bare butt. Um, and then, and yeah, the show was a major. Was... Yeah. And yeah. the show was a major hit, and he decided he was the reason for it. And after season one ended, he said, I am out of here. I'm going to go be a movie star. Um, I think we all know how that worked out. <laughs> yeah. So that's. Was it played by Jimmy stuff. Smith, who I think was better in that show as well? I like, uh, yeah, and was on the show overall, for like I think five it actually years. Made, yeah, I, I think it overall made the, made the show better. What was Jimmy Smith on there? Yeah, so that's 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 pulling a Caruso, um, also known mm-hmm. as pulling a Chevy Chase, and I guess also known as uh, pulling a Carol Ann Ford. Not quite the same right. thing, but in terms uh, of uh, oh toughness of leaving. Babylon Five. I kind of forgot that guy's name, but that would be another one as well. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, um, but this wasn't to become a this wasn't be, to become a big star. This was for reasons that are um, not maybe a little more. Uh, Creatively sad. Um, do you want to elucidate uh, well, as to what happened here? You know, we, we, we've talked often, commented often, maybe I should say, about how the characters seemed a little different in the first episode, seemed a little more alien and off-worldy, and then kind of settled into a generic, stereotypical teenager who screams a lot and that's pretty much all she did for a lot of the serial. When she was first given the part, she's like, okay, I'm playing this alien. Uh, you know, and, and she and William Hartnell kind of talked about it, and she, they kind of came up with the backstory, which, uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily discussed with the, the writers. That was kind of their process. And she was like, I, I, you know, she wanted her character to be kind of badass and have tele, telepathic powers and, you know, be this. She said, like, Emma Peel on The Avengers, although, which, for those who don't know, we're not talking about Marvel's The Avengers. It was a <laughs> action show that was in the 60s. Although, I think Doctor Who predates The Avengers. Ooh, that's a great question. Let me, let me double check that. Yeah. No, it ran from 1961 to 19... No, I think that's the Avengers came first. Okay. But it was just kind of this by action series, they eventually made a movie about it with 
Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, and so you know, it was about this guy with a bowler hat and umbrella, and he was aided by he was a spy, and he was aided by these badass women, most famously Diana Rigg, uh, who would go on to do a lot of things. She was famously a Bond girl and on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and she was the Queen of Thorns on Game of Thrones and different, she's done other things besides right. uh-huh. uh But, you know, and that's kind of the the character Carolyn Ford thought she was getting. She thought she was going to be cool like the Doctor was. Uh, and she wasn't. She wasn't. No, uh, uh, fell a little short of that. Fell a little no short fault, of that. And when, no when, fault when of her asked, own. But... No fault of her own. And when she asked, you know, like, can you do some things with my character? And the answer is basically no. Uh, and so, you know, when her contract was up, she, she said, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. Well, look, uh, I get it. And it was a shame to see her go. Um, I suppose if he had to lose one of the four, she would be the one, which I get, I guess is probably to her point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is a shame because she's like the first, well, I don't know if she's, she is sort of your entry point to this world, as you recall, in that pilot episode. Um, right. I mean, Ian and Barbara are the audience surrogates, but like the, they're the character that they meet first. Let me try that again. She's the character that they meet first before the doctor. We don't even see the doctor till like almost the end of the episode, as I recall. Um, right. And yeah, she's the whole reason they, they joined because they went for a home visit and then get kidnapped by the doctor. Yeah. And so it, it is a shame that she kind of settled into this, like, not even whiny teenager. She's just kind of just a scared, just kind of scared of everything. And, uh, you know, she, even in the serial, she spends a lot. The, you know, her big grand send-off. She spends a lot of the time with a broken ankle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm curious watching this. Um, did you get a sense that she was about to get written off at some point in this serial? I got the feeling. They were planning something because they were planting a lot of seeds for her that they don't normally plant. Like, I, I, I feel like I can't pull up a specific example, but I feel like they played the uh, "Wouldn't you rather stay here?" card uh, with other characters from you know, whenever they meet whatever guest star you have for that month, uh, playing like you know. Marco Polo or uh, an Aztec or something. I think they played that before, but it felt different here and they kind of kept cutting to it and there wasn't really anything else going on for Susan. And I started questioning why they were doing that. Uh, so I think in that way, this wasn't quite the question, um, but I do feel like I think they did a good job of planting that seed. But um. Yeah, it felt, something felt different. I couldn't, I wasn't sure until we got to the end where I was like, yeah, this, this, this makes sense. But there's just a lot of, why does this guy keep talking about like, wouldn't you rather stay here and rebuild? Like you'd be perfect for this rebuild. I don't know why he would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Right, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Because <clears throat> when you go back and watch it, knowing that she leaves, it's like, I guess it's, it's a bit easy to see. Okay. Yeah. You, but you can see why, what they're building for. You know, maybe why Susan's not going to be staying with them. 
uh, of course, in this would not this was not a surprise to viewers who were reading reading Doctor Who news and stuff like that. This they, was my question: like, how yeah, pub- they, how public was all this? But it had been, I don't remember the date, but it had been out for a couple couple months or weeks that Carolyn Ford was leaving. And so I don't know if they knew the exact episode of when she'd be leaving, but they did know, you know, sometime in season two, she'd be going. You know, yeah, I sit here and say, like, it seems like she left really early, like nine weeks have elapsed since season two began, like. Right, but it feels early because it's the second story. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of weird like that. It is, but um, again, kind of got to the end of 1964, and then the, the calendar flipped, and um, there, there's a, there'll be one less of companion for a while. I presume. I presume they're going to fill that seat pretty quickly. I um, I'm I guessing. Guess watch and find out. Ooh. So yeah, well, yeah, we'll we'll discuss um, kind of how we felt about how she uh, she went out as we go along. Um, but uh, I guess this is a good time as any to just start breaking down uh, these six well, episodes here. Unless... Real quick, because um, I think we yeah. could... This is written by Terry Nation. Oh, of he's, course, yes. Written and directed by. Well, not directed by Terry Nation, but it's written by Terry Nation. Um, and this is his third story for Doctor Who already. And so, so far, he's, you know, Terry Nation's definitely had his stamp on the show. Of course, the previous one was the Daleks. You know, he created this ah. creature. And he also wrote the Keys of Marinus, um, which you and I didn't like as much. But uh, so this is going to be his third story out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is third out of nine stories for the show. My God. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, what do you think of Terry Nation as you, this is a third story? story you've seen from him so far well it's interesting um because my initial thought when you told me like the first two stories you wrote is like this kind of feels like kind of a mix between those um keys and marinus and the daleks and that you had like these big i guess this kind of leads into how we felt about the serial as a whole which i also Mm -hmm. forgot to ask about Mm -hmm. um you get like these great classic characters and these great situations and like the, they feel, it feels different than other episodes you've seen so far. Some of these almost feel like from like kind of like Ferrite documentary style. Like some of these shots are really, really creepy, but then there's also a lot of, I don't want to say bloat. It's not bloated in the way that a lot of these other longer ones are, but there is kind of a lot of, we, we kind of need to have the characters move around a lot for the sake of action. Not a criticism. Um, uh, you know, that was handled a lot more poorly in Keys of Marinus, uh, especially since the um, objectives and the feel and the style of that serial kind of kept changing every two episodes or so, as I recall. Not, not the case here. We kind of start in this post-apocalyptic feel and that, that kind of maintains throughout. But, you know, episodes three, four, five, there's kind of a lot of positioning uh, of pieces on a chessboard to kind of get to episode six. Um, so I, I think I, 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 Terry Nation has six more to go, and I have no idea how long, how much time that spans. But I'm 
he's responsible for a lot of the classic moments. There's a lot of classic moments in here. Um, maybe, maybe just not like the tightest writer they ever had. And again, six episodes is a lot. That's difficult. Keith and Ernest was seven episodes. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I sure as hell couldn't write. Keith and Ernest was six episodes, actually. Oh, um, was it really? <laughs> but, yeah. But I think the Keys and Marinus, we, we, talked, we obviously talked about this before, but I think that kind of fell under the weight of its own ambitions. Like having a right. different story every episode was, it was perhaps too much. Uh, to, to, and it kind of took away the, the advantage of the long form storytelling as well. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like this story, the, the, the Dalek Invasion of Earth. I, I know what you're saying. I felt like um, it could have been five episodes and it would have been a little bit better. Sure. But some of it is, you know, uh, trying to fill six episodes for sure. But I thought in general, those six episodes were filled really well. I thought that, like, with exception of like maybe episode four, I thought it was paced well. And I think it's just a really good, uh, in my opinion, this is the first great Dalek story. That is definitely true. I mean, I've only seen two, but I, I this is it's the first in, one, right? I mean, in a way, yeah. I mean, my memory of the first one, I remember the characters, and I remember the voices, and I remember the design. But I don't remember much else about the story as a whole. Well, I also remember that first great cliffhanger. But right. the, those are the elements that have maintained, which mm-hmm. I suspect is probably true for most because that's the thing they leaned heavily on here. In fact, make a pretty interesting creative decision to set this technically on the timeline of the world before that first story, just right. to ensure that uh, you don't even need to have seen that in order to appreciate it. Well, another thing is the Dalek was presented in that original serial, which, you know, we, we talked about it before. I thought it got to a good start, but then it kind of stumbled in, in its final second half. Um, those Daleks were not meant to be seen again. Right. I mean, that was, they were a one-off story that you know, they got super popular. So in order to bring them back, you really didn't need a retooling of them. And, yeah. You know, this doesn't completely make sense with, I think, what we saw before. I mean, they, like, they couldn't even, like, leave the, their home city because all their power came from the ground, like the static Right. Electricity. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Now they're flying the around in saucers and stuff. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I understand it's possible for studies to go backwards, but that's a huge, huge step backwards. But it's, you know, sometimes you have to stretch things in order to bring back something popular, and that's what they did here. Yeah. But you know, I mean, these Daleks you can see popping up again in another story. Yes, they're much more versatile. They 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 swim sometimes. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. One thing I will, another thing I want to say to the favor of Terry Nation. Um, mm-hmm. Consider there's a lot of things that had to happen here. He, he was kind of he was kind of saddled with a having to bring back, um, a, as you already mentioned, um, a set of characters that weren't even supposed to come back again uh but they were super popular so he has that pressure and he has to work through uh right now the character um of the four she's probably fourth on the fourth on the list but she's still like a major part of the show like that's right you have you have to end there somehow and make it seem like legit and like that was like always always part of the plan i think he Mm -hmm. was successful there again the things i think so too if you hadn't told me that the Keys of Marinus was also his doing or reminded me, I probably 
wanted to jump to. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a little bit of sag towards the middle of this one. Because really, um, this is overall pretty good. Obviously, it's of the two stories we've seen so far of season two, this one is tops. Just in terms of scope and scale and ambition and probably uh, importance to the franchise as a whole. But, um, yeah, as far as six episode <laughs> serials go on this show, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. And so this was directed by Richard Martin, who was another name we've seen before. He directed three of the, the Daleks serial. He also directed one of the Edge of Destruction episodes as well. This is the first full serial that he's directed every part of. And he's also going to be directing two more this season. And that's going to be the last we see of Richard Martin. That's fantastic. I think the work he did here is excellent. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's times, I think, again, the nation script was maybe more ambitious than they could film. But sure. in general, I, I think he did a really good job. There's a lot of scenes, and we'll talk about them uh, shortly. That could have seemed really silly, but uh, it's directed with enough purpose and just enough seriousness that you, it, it, a lot of this is really creepy. And I think a big part of that is, of course, this is the second serial in a row that's set here on terra firma but um you know um when you kind of have the sci-fi apocalypse serial but set you know alongside the river thames um that's that's creepy it's always going to be creepy i think the black and white and the low budget also contributes to this kind of it's kind of horrifying sometimes despite itself um and i have to credit that i mean that's not solely the the uh the work of uh, the director, but I think he's a large part, especially in some of these scenes where you see like humans as slaves and stuff. Like it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot um, for sure. So, yeah. So talking about how important the serial is for the, the series as a whole, it was fairly important. Uh, so for season one, the highest rated episode of season one was 10.4 million viewers, which is pretty good. And at least at the time in the UK, 10.4 is, is, is really good. It's a success. Uh, the lowest rated episode of this particular serial was 11.4. Oh. So the worst, worst serial, the worst rated serial here did better, did a million better than the best one of season one. And so this so, is like, this, this, is the, this is the one for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people tuned in. Like, they tuned in for the Daleks coming back. They probably tuned in for Susan's departure. And it, they, it maintains the highest rated was 12.4, which was the, the final one. And so clearly the Daleks are still a popular, like still something that brings in viewers. And, yeah, and so this also proved to the BBC that, okay, this wasn't just like a one season fling that's just going to go away. Like, the show could have legs. That that's pretty remarkable. Um, right, and it is kind of interesting to see. You know those things. You know, even I kind of knew what these were, and I, you know, every episode, every episode beyond this, I've not seen. Um, mm-hmm. And even I knew what the Daleks were pretty much. And it's really interesting to see like the history of this show kind of fill out um, before your eyes. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, 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 of course, I know that they will be coming back, but I have to presume there will not be long to wait for the Daleks' return. Well, I cannot confirm or deny that. 
Uh, you'll just have to wait and find out. It was worth a shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, with that, why don't we dive right into episode one here? All right, let's do it. All right, which of course is called, let me pull out my handy dandy notes and my handy dandy uh, summary here. All right, we'll do a clean start. All right, just episode one, World's End. Uh, and this starts off, this, this serial starts off with a bang, man. Um, <laughs> we got ourselves a guy with like a weird helmet and like shitty clothes. Uh, he rips off his helmet, screams, and then goes ahead and drowns himself in the river. <laughs> and that's your opening scene. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's, it's silly kind of when you describe it. But yeah. I felt like it was really effective. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds ridiculous, but no, this is, this is, this is dark stuff, especially for a show that two episodes ago was trying to teach us like, hey, all, all animals are equal and we have to not hurt the, we have not hurt the mighty ant. You know, this is a show that right. was trying to really center us and educate us. Now it's like, here's a guy committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it just, it just sets the tone for that first episode really well, which I think is a, a fairly unsettling episode in general. Yeah, um, this, this first episode is one of my favorites of the six, for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, and I, and I, think, I think that scene was necessary because it sets the tone because when Ian and Barbara and the TARS crew come out, they realize they're in London and they're like super happy about it, which is you know, reasonable, because that's what mm-hmm. Ian and Barbara have been trying to go home, this whole series. And so having this, I mean, even though you know you're watching a show, you know it's Doctor Who, you know something bad's going to happen, seeing that first kind of confirms that, no, there's nothing to be happy about here, you know? Right. Yeah, it's a bold move. And uh, a really, really effective one. Uh, speaking of Doctor Who, um, the TARDIS materializes, and the Doctor and uh, our companions, Ian, Barbara, and Susan, uh, have arrived at not not far from um, this spot near the river, as I recall. Right, yeah, it was right there. And they figure out pretty clearly that they're on Earth, and they know they know where they are. It's not super clear when they are. Uh, Ian and Barbara are super happy that they're home, but the Doctor seems a little bit more. Not concerned, but um, I don't know, how would you describe him? Suspicious. He, I mean, he definitely, you know, he noticed things were a bit off. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the middle of this, one of the biggest cities in the world, and it's super quiet. And right. uh, there's just, you know, there seems to be something off. Right. And there's all these, all, there's all these like, po- did, did we see the posters, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's illegal yeah. to drown someone in the ocean, or well, no, no dumping bodies in the water. I mean, come on, that's bleak. <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't yeah. need to be an intergalactic doctor to see that and know something's wrong, right? Um, so, so of course, you know, just just feel the decay around them. Susan decides to try to because they're under a bridge like area. Susan decides to go up and, and have a look at what's going on and what happens, Ryan. Well, uh, she slips and she twists her ankle 
And not only does she do that, but uh, she pulls down apparently a whole bridge uh, <laughs> that was above the TARDIS uh, to collapse. And so mm-hmm. now everything's screwed. Yeah. This is the only one that soaks to the show. Yeah, come on, Susan. Yeah. There's got to be some reason why they don't just go back in the TARDIS. And <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah. Susan had to screw things up for them one more time before she left. Yeah, so a lot happens all at once. So now they're stuck. Now they got to figure out how to get out. And she twists her ankle, right? She twists her ankle. She's no good to anybody, really, <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> Don't tell us, David. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, David. Don't listen to this. Um, so, we, so everyone has to split up. Um, Dr. and Ian well, go to like a right. warehouse, right? right well, because they immediately recognize something weird's going on here. We want to be able to get into the TARDIS if, as fast as possible if there is something going on. But obviously, right. the whole bridge fell on TARDIS, so they need some tools to be able to take, up, take them apart. And of course, the reason why they split up is that Susan can't walk because she twists her ankle. So Barbara stays down with Susan <laughs> in uh-huh. the box to go look for tools. Perfect. And while they're, well, I was going to say, before they go to the warehouse, is this where it's revealed that someone's watching them? I believe so. Okay. Um, much like Rockwell, um, they feel like someone's watching them. <laughs> Cut that. Um, so we have the, <laughs> uh, uh, it's at this warehouse. That's just, this is where they discover that they're in the future. Uh, yes, the, the Dr. Fine uh, calendar. Uh, and it reveals that it's the year uh, 2164. And that reveal kind of put a chill up my spine. Um, I, again, it's one of those things where it's like, we know something's wrong. And we're in this world where it's, it feels very much like our, uh, our world. But we're too, I like that it's 200, it's 200 years in the future, exactly. Um, right. Although, so, uh, we, that's it's creepy. Go on, it's creepy, it is creepy. We did forget to mention something though. Uh, where the, the doctor scolds Susan for climbing up and you know ruining everything. And he quite infamously tells her that she needs a smack bottom. Oh, that's right. Uh, I forgot about that. Because uh, that's kind of an infamous, not infamous, but amongst the, like, the, the Doctor Who fans, this weird moment <laughs> that it yeah. just didn't feel right. How did I forget about that? Um, I, I just looked up the phrase. Um, the line is, what you need is a jolly good smacked bottom uh, <laughs> to his granddaughter, Susan. And this, this BBC America article is talking about it. says, quote, mm-hmm. he's not on record as offering similar capital punishment to any of his traveling companions, which is probably <laughs> good. Yeah, yes, yeah. No, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I suspect... <laughs> I don't know. I, I suspect it was just to be like, oh, yeah, because um, grandparent, grandchild, um, do, you, do you sometimes have to spank uh, children sometimes? But uh, Susan's a little old for that. Right. It's not typically <laughs> something you say to a, a high schooler. Uh, no. At that point, it does really feel like abuse. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get into the ethical arguments of spanking in general, but I think both of us can agree. Once they're in high school, uh, thinkings don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think we're on the same page as far as uh, spank- I almost said smacking, but spanking uh, is concerned. I suppose maybe it was less weird in the '60s UK, but you know, this is this is a woman who's about to fall in love with a man. Um, I don't and- think that she needs to be spanked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, thank you. I, I I couldn't have forgotten. I I don't know how I forgot about that. There's there's another line. In this episode, that I found funny, uh, much less emphasis put on put on that line. But uh, uh, yeah, despite, thank you for coming back around to the spanked bottom. Of course, of course. Um, <laughs> so uh, we've established that we're in uh, twenty one sixty four. They're looking for tools. Barbara's looking for. Uh, she's trying to soak. She tried to get soak her handkerchief to put around Susan's ankle. It wasn't super clear what what was happening here I, to me. Well, I think because the water's cold, they're trying to ah, swelling. swelling. Yeah. Uh, she needs someone. Yes, she does. Um, someone who is only referred to in this uh, the this Wikipedia page as a dirty faced man. <laughs> Which is, our, which is accurate. His face is very yeah. dirty. Um, well, oh, actually, you know what? I skipped, I skipped something. She, of course, finds some... Uh, Barbara finds the body of the man that drowned himself earlier. Hmm. Um, and then she goes back to go find Susan. And that's where she runs into uh, the dirty-faced man. Um, who, tells, who tells her that uh, Susan is gone with a man named Tyler. Um, <laughs> the very futuristic name of Tyler. Um, I do like. I do like that this this episode. All the uh, kind of the, the new guest stars we meet for this run um, do have very normal names, except for one guy. Um, but yeah, it's a lot a lot of Jennies and Davids and uh, Tylers. Um, I don't know. I found that kind of charming. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think. I mean, go back two hundred years. There were still Ryan's and James's and yeah, Richard. I think it could have been really and... easy to name everyone like. God, Ron, God, whatever, but like <laughs> Zah, yeah. Zah, of course. But yeah, no, normal names. It's um, it's a good thing. So let's see. Uh, and uh, the doctor and Ian, of course, also find their own dead body. Um, this one with the uh, he still has the same helmet that the first guy in the river had. Uh, <laughs> He had a whip, which was weird. Um, <laughs> hey, this, no, no judgment here, you know. No, whatever. Look, it's the year twenty one sixty four. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Um, and this man's been stabbed to death, which uh, doesn't seem great. Uh, is this where we f- see our first legitimate flying saucer? Yes, it is. Love it. Uh, <laughs> comes and lands in the in the city, yeah. Which uh, you know, um, flying saucers are obviously a big thing at the time, and yeah, they just just leaned into it. Yeah, and it doesn't look good, but it doesn't look bad. You know, like this is it's like the perfect like mid '60s special effect, right? To me, um, so it seems like Barbara and Susan have kind of stumbled upon some sort of underground group of people. Uh, we've, we, I don't know if we meet... Do, do, this, is where we meet this is where we meet Tyler and David, correct? Right, yes. So I, I do think this... Yeah, walk us through this. I do think this show has a good guest cast. Um, yeah! 
because some some have better guest cast than others, or at least guest characters than others. I thought this one, the guest cast was was pretty strong. And yeah, yeah. here we meet two major characters, David and Tyler, both part of this resistance cell. We still don't know who they're resisting, other than these guys with the helmets on, obviously. Uh, but right, this is where we meet meet those two who are going to be pretty major characters. And yes. Um, you know, they, they're not super friendly to, to Susan and Barbara, but they at least seem like they're not going to harm them. Yeah, they seem like they're, they've, been, they've been tracking them since they arrived. Um, them being, of course, uh, Barbara, Susan, Ian, the doctor, and just aren't sure if they're a friend or foe. Um, they seem a little right. paranoid. And then this is where we meet my favorite um, guest cast member. Um, there's a guy that Dr. Strangelove-looking guy. He's a man in a wheelchair. <laughs> His name is Dortman, and uh, I, I am quite fond of him. I, I can't explain why. Maybe it's because his name is Dortman. Um, <laughs> uh, he seems... I don't know if he seems like the leader, but he kind of seems like a guy that everyone kind of defers to. Um, I, 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 that could be a misread on my part. but I, You kind of get the sense of this isn't a very organized group of people. Uh, right. But he seems to be the one who's most organized out of yeah, it. And that's, yeah. But I do, yeah, I do like... Um, um, and yeah. Yeah, I, guess, I like that they feel very... Um, yeah, and it feels kind of realistic. Like, I feel like too often it'd be really easy to have, like, just one guy, like, he's the general and everyone leaves. I feel like this is what would really happen if uh, humans were kind of forced underground by... Um, you know, like if aliens really came and took over the world, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the little pockets of resistance fighters would feel much like this. There's some infighting. There's not always Agreed, not I agree. what the right ideas are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think there's more to say about it, but they they script a lot of stuff, and I mean, uh, yes, you know, the, there's, there's a bit of mis. I might, I might argue with some of these characters. I think you're absolutely right. And um, that disorganization is going to come to haunt them. Um, and impulsiveness, right. more, more to the point. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, they now seem pretty, you know, the saucer's coming. They've, they've been aware someone's coming for them. And Dortmund seems pretty, uh, seems pretty confident they're going to be ready for them this time, whoever they are. Uh, he doesn't say whoever right. they are, but we're not we're not mm-hmm. privy to that yet. So you also find here that Tyler Tyler was the one watching him, and so he has he had seen Ian and the Doctor, uh, and so he knows where they are. Mm-hmm. And here's where Ian and the Doctor go back to the TARDIS to find Susan and Barbara gone. Right, and this is this is this is what I liked. Um, this is, this mm-hmm. is a very small moment from the Doctor here that I think is very good. Uh, Ian points out the poster that's forbidding the dumping of bodies mm-hmm. in the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor kind of looks at it and goes, hmm, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, thinks, he, thinks the sign is very, he thinks the sign is very stupid. Um, uh, which he's not wrong. I guess it is kind of a stupid sign. But, um, well, uh, one, one is left to wonder... Something tells me there's a lot of bodies in the in the river prior to the sign being put up. Yeah, again, very dark sign. 
Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of wondering, maybe there's a plague that uh, took everyone out. Um, right, that's what it brings up. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's what's going on. Uh, and then, of course, what happens next, Ryan? Well, well we should mention da- David's been sent off to go, uh, uh, go fetch Ian and the doctor and uh, take them back to like, their resistance um, station. Their, um, their little hideout. But he come a little too late because there's uh, more of those men with uh, the, the weird helmets on their heads have come and surrounded Ian and the Doctor from, uh, from all sides, really. And these robo-men kind of talk in a, a monotone that should sound uh, pretty familiar to, um, to some. But um, to really, really drive it home, we kind of reach the end of, uh, of episode one as from... <laughs> From the River Thames itself, we see who's come out of that saucer. <laughs> it's a Dalek. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I, I love it. It's, a, it's an iconic shot. And Absolutely. of course, is the whole episode was building up to it. You know, it was, setting, it was setting things up for the serial in general, but it was also building up to this reveal that the Daleks behind this. And I love it because they never explain it. Why was the Dalek swimming in the Thames? <laughs> what was he doing down there? Uh, why was he getting out of the river at that moment? I mean, none of it fucking matters. It just, he was down there. Oh, very <laughs> cool idea. Wouldn't it be awesome if just a Dalek fucking came out of the river? <laughs> Even the doctor. Like, yes, brilliant. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> And I, and I love they didn't even try to explain it. Sometimes not everything needs to be explained. It just no. There. If you if you have a cool moment, you have a cool moment. Now my question is, um, obviously, um, Caroline Ford's departure was well known. Did anyone know the Daleks were coming back, or did this did this like knock everyone for a loop? Do you know? So they knew the Daleks were coming back. I, and I even think they knew the dogs were coming back in this episode. But um, the things, if you if you read it about, you knew yeah. they were coming back. And if you were just sitting on watching it, you wouldn't have really known. Yeah. So it's kind of like a Winter Soldier situation where, like, if you're privy, if you, you're paying attention and you know, I mean, if you're kind of paying attention and read the tea leaves, you can, you're aware there's a twist coming. But I suppose if you just came into the movie cold, the, the revelation of the identity of... Winter Soldier could be a complete surprise. Maybe, maybe the same thing here with the Daleks. Like, if you're paying attention to the trades or whatever the 1960s version of that would be, you might be aware. But most people are just turning on the TV and <laughs> watching the next episode. Right. Well, of course, you know, that's got 11 million viewers. So I, I do think Dalek hype was part of that. Uh, that's a sure. good point. Uh, but yeah, beautiful reveal. Um, and it leads us right into episode two. Um, you know, logically ta- called the Daleks. <laughs> um, so the Doctor and Ian are taken over to uh, uh, the landing area of the saucer. And they're, uh, they're warned that resistance is futile and the Earth has already been conquered. You know, that, 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 that whole jib-jab. Um, <laughs> and then we cut back to the resistance base. And this is where we meet. Um, kind of an interesting character, and someone I actually had a question about. Uh, this would be the young young Jenny, and 
my question is, I, you, you sent me the links to the special features. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the special features was interviews with a couple of the people that were guest stars on this, uh, on this run of episodes. And one of them was Jenny, who was, of course, played by um, Ann Davies. And Ann Davies mentioned that there had been talk, nothing really official and nothing ever really sat in motion, but there was kind of idle talk about Jenny because Caroline Ford's departure was uh, kind of a foregone conclusion at this point. And uh, there was talk about Jenny perhaps becoming like, the, you know, filling in as that fourth slot of the, you know, the replacer as a companion, um, which I, for some reason I did, I didn't pick up on that kind of grooming in the episode itself. Although it makes sense now that I think about it. Uh, so I guess my quick question about Jenny is how would you have felt if she had ended up taking over, you know, all, shake whatever comes next out of your mind. Um, Cause I had no idea. Uh, what if Jenny had taken over that spot? Would that have worked for you? Would that have been weird? Well, I mean, I, I don't think necessarily it would have been weird. Um, I mean, I she she was fine in this episode. I don't I don't know if I necessarily think she was particularly remarkable. But at the same time, there was there was a lot going on. Um, sure. No, I, I will I will say she was definitely I think a very strong character. You know, she when she she definitely took to. She's perhaps a bit understandable with everything she's gone through. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and so while as far as single episode characters, single serial characters go, she wasn't necessarily my favorite. She could have made an interesting companion, I think, uh, given, you know, she was from the future and, you know, kind of lived through tragedy a bit. Right. It, it could have been interesting, I think. And there could have been like a nice little parallel. I mean, we'll get to, you know, um, Susan's final departure, but um, she essentially leaves in order to kind of rebuild Earth and uh, create a better life for herself by staying. Could have been interesting to have a parallel with Jenny kind of taking off with the doctor in order to re- recreate a better life for herself by leaving. There could have been a nice little um, That's a good point. parallel That's... there. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, I, 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 that nugget got dropped and that surprised me because it didn't, maybe it's, I don't know, I, it just didn't seem like that was the direction they were going and it wasn't the direction they're going because um, uh, she is not with them when, they, when, the, when the serial ends. But um, yeah, I just, I found that well, interesting. I, I, well, I will say, because um, I, I obviously knew that watching it the second time around because I, I watched special features before I rewatched the episode. And it, even knowing it going in, it doesn't necessarily feel like they were really grooming her. I just think it's a situation where they were thinking about replacing, you know, getting a fourth person on the TARDIS, and she's the only girl <laughs> in the yeah. serial. You know what I mean? she's, she's basically, you know, they kind of pair everybody up, and she's the one who was with Barbara. And so... I, I think it's more practicality than it was like they were grooming the character to be next. And Got it. 
I do, I do think, you know, this might be something we talk about later on, but I also think to, to the writers, anybody could be the doctor's companion, you know? That's uh, true. And so I, I think that's part of it too. Got it. So this is where so we meet Jenny and we have a little internal debate and struggle between uh, Tyler and old Dortnum. Um, it seems like Dortnum wants to go kick ass right away. Tyler's not so sure. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Dortnum has Dortmund himself have? A, ah, he has this little bomb that I thought was really cool, and he seems so <laughs> confident about it. You just you, they're gonna <laughs> kill the Dalek killers, yeah. Uh, yeah, you gotta love this. Um, mm-hmm. I love his confidence. Um, let's hope it pays off for him. Um, <laughs> David comes back says, Dr. Nia have been captured, but taken over to the heliport, which is in Chelsea, because everything's in Chelsea. And... Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about the geography of London, so I... Uh, uh, none of I the just, like, locations they were mentioning meant anything to me. Uh, that, that's all right. Um, they're, all, they're all big, famous locations. Battersea, Great. I mean, I, Chelsea. I figured. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's it's not set in like uh, um, it's in Slough or anything like right. None of those, yeah. Um, so we cut back. Let's speak of the heliport. We cut to the heliport. Um, Ian's a little stumped because she was pretty sure they already blew up and destroyed the Daleks um, not that long ago. And this is kind of leads to that thing we were talking about earlier. Um, the Doctor kind of hypothesizes we're kind of somewhere. You know, our last interaction must have been. Uh, towards the end of the history of the Daleks, which it better be because they, they are the end of this Daleks history, it appears to be. And so this must be somewhere in the middle of their, um, of their timeline. Um, it's, an, it's, it's an explanation that doesn't make much sense the more you think about it, but in terms of I'm watching a sci-fi show and I just need a quick explanation, I think it's as good as any. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, everyone... The thing about Doctor Who is everyone kind of has their own headcanon about things. A lot of times, whatever your own personal headcanon is, either relies on the Doctor being mistaken or just straight up lying. Sure. Um, and then that's something here. Some people, okay, yeah, the first episode of the Daleks, that is the end of their timeline. That's it. And, you know, that's kind of cool because the first time you see them is actually their last one chronologically. Some people instead say, no, that's actually before this. Um, and they were in kind of theorized, I'm not saying the show has said anything that's forth this, but theorized they were inspired to go and leave the planet because they met the doctor who were from another planet and right. the, the Daleks. So it's kind of like, you know, there, you know, we talked about before, there's no technical Doctor Who canon. So you can kind of, Choose which one makes most sense to you and which one you like the best. I think there's a certain freedom to that. And I think it's hard. Um, it, it's hard to hold um, a, a loose... It, it, it's hard to hold anything against uh, a show where it's like it's, it's had multiple writers, showrunners, multiple decades, multiple actors playing the same roles. It's, it's not worth trying to tie it all together, especially since no one cared about that, especially at this point. <laughs> Right, no, no one making the show thought it was going to be on TV sixty years. From right, you know, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's see. 
in the doctor again. This is where they get. Is this where they get thrown into a uh, into the yeah they, yeah yeah they they run the saucer and of course there's another there's other prisoners. You have to have the Daleks kill some people just to establish that they're evil Daleks that'll kill people. Yeah. You get a cool extermination uh, special effect too. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you get that. Um, well, I'll bounce back over to the base. We want to stay on the saucer for a little bit. Well, if I'm not mistaken, this is kind of where like both all both sets of main characters get the explanation for what happened from the respective people, yeah. right? Because there's, there's a third prisoner in there with Ian, the doctor who doesn't get killed, and so they kind of get the explanation at the same point. Ian, uh, Susan, and Barbara are getting an explanation for what happened. And right. I've always, I've always kind of liked this story point. The one about why they're here, or a, which yeah. story point? Yeah, explain. Sorry. Well, so, 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 well, like the Daleks' plan for invading the Earth. Yes. Right. I like um, it. I like it too. Because, typically, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of sci-fi when you have a evil alien race, you know, maybe maybe this is due to Star Trek with the big empire or, I mean, Star Wars with the big empire or Star Trek with the Klingons and stuff like that. You just think of like a conquering race that just has a big military and they just go head first and they go into battle. Uh, but that's not the Daleks. Uh, the first thing the Daleks did was launch some meteors at the Earth. <laughs> and uh, so a bunch of meteors crashed into the Earth. And on those meteors was a human killing plague disease. And so, um, and the, the disease has completely like divided, like killed off a lot of humanity and divided humanity, which um, when I first watched this, you know, I thought it was odd, like a plague wouldn't divide humanity, would it? Apparently it would. Uh, that, <laughs> Oops. That story point. Uh, <laughs> felt, yeah. Felt, felt very relevant uh, as I watched it the second time around. And then of course, after humanity was divided, their numbers were lessened. They were a weak force. That's when the Daleks actually showed up in person to lay claim to the planet. Right. And, um, you know, some, some humans, they turn into these uh, automatons the, known as Robo-Men, which earlier David gave an explanation as to what's going on with those Robo-Men. Um, it's basically an operation that the Daleks uh, perform on humans, um, which is surprise, not surprisingly a very unstable operation and eventually turned to suicidal. But until that point, you kind of just, this is where you get the guys with the, with the big helmets kind of talking in a monotone voice. Um, and then eventually they go insane. Yeah, right. They go insane. So that is something I thought was kind of interesting is that they, they turn into this workforce for the Daleks, but they're, it's not a, it's a limited time workforce. It's a bit unreliable for the Daleks. Yeah, uh, some humans turn into the, they turn some humans into them, and some just get killed straight up. And the other ones uh, end up in this mining area, this kind of pivotal mining area that's in uh, Bedfordshire. Uh, no one knows what they're digging for, what they're mining for. Um, of course, you and I know because we watched it, and the answer <laughs> is batshit. I love it, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> and see if the Daleks are 
kind of aware of the heightened intelligence of the doctor. Which yeah, immediately they pick up to it. Uh, yeah. Immediately they pick up on it, which which I liked as well. I guess we should say uh, Craddock is the guy who's in the jail cell with the doctor and Ian, and his brother is at the mining site. Ah, yes, that's um, that's, that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Played by Michael Goldie, uh, Craddock. Yeah, you know, and did a good job of um, kind of sneaking in all this uh, heavy um, exposition in a. Uh, in an engaging way maybe it's because the type of story that they're telling is uh inherently interesting but you know the this the this episode does stop for a couple of minutes to just explain backstory but it's still it's still absorbing yeah it was it was well done exposition is not easy to write i don't think i think no. people underestimate how difficult exposition is to write yeah. um i i think you're exactly on the money there um, um and I, and i think it helps that they they waited to the second episode to do it because they drew you in with that first episode and even, even here, you know, before they go into the exposition, they kind of set the table for a big attack against the Daleks. So you are engaged in the plot right. before they get into the exposition. Yeah, you want to see what happens. Right. Um, and, there is, and there is a big resistance being planned. Um, they, uh, they're going all in on the bomb plan. Um, Barbara wants to use some of these Robomen helmets as a disguise to get them close enough to throw the bombs. Which sounds like a decent plan. Right. Um, there, and then there's a scene here where the, they're, in a, they're in a jail cell and the doctor thinks he's found a way out of it. Yeah. I couldn't quite follow what he was trying to do. And I think this is supposed to be like a uh, learn science moment, but I refuse to learn any science. <laughs> um, so it had no effect on me. But again, speaking of those educational elements into the episode... Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the scene takes a turn that I thought was actually pretty clever and I liked. Um, I agree. I don't know, do you want to do you want to shed well, light on that? <laughs> sure. Well, first, I just want to say th- this scene where the doctor is like trying to like because it, it's kind of like a puzzle uh, and why it's a puzzle we'll see later on. But the doctor's kind of figuring out how to get the key from it, and it's a really I thought it was a really fun scene. And I think the reason it's fun is because William Hartnell was so great in it. Yeah. And and also, I think part of it, too, is, you know, we're, how many stories? This is our, what, 11th story so far with yeah. with this crew. And I think the Terry Nations and the writer and the actors, everyone's really kind of in stride at this point. I think I think they've kind of got a good grasp of the character and, and what they're like in their, in their voice. And it was just a lot of fun watching the Doctor figure this out. It was, and there, there was a line I really liked. Ian was like, Doctor, sometimes you astound me. To which he <laughs> replied, only sometimes. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, but of course, the whole thing was actually a test by the Daleks to, to figure out exactly how smart the Doctor was. Which makes sense. Why would you put a key in a jail cell, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And so, you know, that's like that's a good example of something that you could easily have cut from the script if this was only like four or five episodes. But even though it wasn't necessarily super necessary, I, it was a lot of. I thought it was a fun scene. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, I think it added a lot of color. Um, so the doctor has a date with, um, well, a uh, Dalek surgeon, I guess. He's going to be robotized. A term I quite liked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And as they're about to enter the ship, the fake Robomen show up. 
and as the Daleks try to question them, the resistance gets their attack. Yeah, so as uh, yeah, so the doctors are be robotized, the attack happens, and the episode ends. That gets us to episode three, Day of Reckoning. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of where that uh, yeah, the fallibility of the resistance crew kind of uh, rears its ugly head because they're throwing the bombs, but they're not doing a whole heck of a lot, are they? No, and this is a scene, I think, where the ambitions of the script were not matched by the capability of the crew. Uh, there's, there's a lot where you, you couldn't actually see what was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is, I would say three and four. Like if I had to pick like a, a weak point of the serial, we might've just entered it. It's a little, it's a little muddy. Right. I, I, I liked episode three because you still have this, an attack is a complete, Freaking disaster. Uh, the, the bombs don't work on the Daleks, and so they have no way of harming the Daleks who have these futuristic ray guns. And so a whole bunch of the resistance fighters are dying. Um, but in the confusion, Ian and the Doctor are kind of able to get loose a little bit. But what basically ends up happening is all four of our characters, Susan and Barbara are part of the attack too, all four of our characters end up in different places due to the chaos of the attack. Yeah, uh, every, everyone's split up entirely here. Which, which made sense because an attack like that couldn't can be chaotic. It should also be noted, um, during the scene, William Hartnell hurt his back. Uh, yes, they allude to this. And so uh, he's actually not going to be in episode four at all for this reason. Oh, that's right. He wasn't in four at all. And like the, the, the doctor technically in the beginning, it's actually a different actor and you never see his face in it. Oh, uh, but my we'll, God. Yeah, we'll get to that. Right. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so Harnell was, was, so Ian never ended up leaving the saucer because by the time he was able to get out, the fighting had mostly ended and he, he could only hide on the saucer with Craddock. Uh, the doctor was rescued and Barbara kind of was able to get out and then she goes back to the home base. And where does Barbara, where's Susan and the doctor go again? Well, I thought the doctor was with Tyler and Susan was with David. That's right. That's right. The doctor was with Tyler. I think Tyler was the one who rescued him. And Susan and David, yeah, are are hiding out. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, that kind of starts setting up the uh, the seeds of um, where the serial is going to end um, when when Susan and David kind of split off. Um, so Barbara's with the resistance fighters, and um, Tyler comes back, and Cartman uh, wants to move everyone um, so he can get more supplies and work on these ding bombs of his. So Barbara and Jenny go with him, uh, which is going to lead to a one of my favorite scenes of the whole uh, serial. But we're not quite there yet. Not quite there, yeah. Um, the Daleks have a new uh, prime directive, which is destroy London with firebombs, apparently, and then go back to the uh, mining colonies in Bedfordshire. Uh, Ian, uh, Ian finds his way out of his hiding spot and runs into his old friend, Craddock, who has been robotized. Oh, yeah. 
Has he not? No. They, they, they meet up with someone who's been robotized, but he was not robotized. Ah, my mistake. And uh, do you want to walk us through this little section right here? This is where we meet. This is where we meet Larry, right? Or am I losing um, my mind? You're. I think you're a little ahead of us. Uh, oh. I don't think Larry's till the next episode. Okay. My apologies. No worries. Um, what, what, what does happen on the saucer? Nothing. Well, is this where we? Is this where we cut no, to the? Um... Like, like mostly just. They're finding a place to hide, and they run into a robo man, and they kill him. And they find a place to hide, and the Daleks immediately realize that the robo person has been killed. And got it. Wait, wait. This is where we meet Larry. I take that back. You're right. My bad. Oh, that's all right. Oh, um, I got the. You're right, Craddock. Man, that's my fault. Yeah, again, I'm, uh, you know, I, Maybe. I, am, I am historically bad at remembering the story details. So no, no, I'm, run, I'm running off a of wiki here. Right, so no, I, I, got, I got some characters confused, I think. Uh, I think I got Larry and Craddock confused. Oh, so, sure. Maybe these episodes are a little muddy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, something I, I wanted to mention in episode two, and I forgot. We have that scene at the beginning when, after the, you know, Daleks went reveal, the doctor's basically to the Daleks. I'm going to defeat you. Like, you know, we kind of talked about that a little bit in Planet of Giants, how they cut a similar speech by the doctor, and you said maybe they're waiting for a bigger moment for that. Right. And we did get that bigger moment in episode two where the doctor is like, you know what? I'm no longer focused on just getting out of here. I'm going to defeat, we're, we're going to defeat these Daleks, which is why I also think it's interesting an episode later after, after suffering a big defeat and stuff like that, doctor's like, fuck this, let's get out of here. Yeah, um, but you know, of course, Susan, Susan, you know, takes David's side and, and and disagrees and puts her foot down with her her grandfather, and he eventually goes with her. Yeah, it's a big turning point for her. Um, uh, I think they end up. I think they kind of end up compromising. David kind of plays up to the. Um, Kind of the elder wisdom of the doctor asked what he would do, and he decided to go up north. So he kind of reached a compromise for now, right? And uh, that's that. We can't. We're getting close to the end of the episode here, um, right? So, so basically, like they they're hiding while two row man play place a bomb near them, and the bomb's counting down as the fire bomb of London is about to begin. Yeah, and that's when the episode ends. Which gets us right into episode four, uh, the end of tomorrow. Um, the doctor, so the doctor immediately passes out. Which I guess this is how they get. This is how they get around William Hartnell being in the episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so do you want to just because there's no like crossover of the stories here. Uh, so do you want to just kind of take one at a time? Sure. Why so not? The doctor with David. You have Barbara and Jenny together, and then Ian and Larry. Right. Yeah. Do you want to start? I go. We go in that order. Let's do Susan and the Doctor first. I like it. Okay. So, uh, David and Susan basically have to defuse this bomb on their own. Um, but luckily, uh, hey, that bomb ends up being uh, useful after all. He uses the acid from the bomb to burn through the casing, and he gets the timing mechanism out. The bomb doesn't go off. The day is saved. Right. And so, 
So basically, like, um, all right, we need to we need to start getting moving. Let's go to the sewers to try to find something. And Susan's like, we can't just leave my grandfather passed out here. Uh, but David says they have no choice. We have to leave. But don't worry, it's safe here, which doesn't make any sense. No, it's 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 total nonsense. It's total nonsense. But it was they had episode four written, and then Hartnell got hurt, and they had to write him out somehow. And this nonsense hallucination is what they settled on. Hey, what, whatever works. So now they're in the so now they're in the sewers. And so for me, this episode is like pure filler. Like the sewer yeah. stuff could could be cut. Only and so they're they're going through it, and you know there's one moment in this episode I liked, and we're we're not on we're not on the pairing that has the moment that I liked. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so Dave and Susan go through the sewers, and they find yeah. a gun, and they're starting to suspect maybe men or stuff like that down there. And who do they run into? They run into Tyler. Good old Tyler. Who there is a little bit of um like world building that I did like here. Um, he mentions that uh, there might be alligators down there since um, uh, wild animals have escaped from the zoos, <laughs> which is like yeah, I guess that makes sense actually. Right. Um, yeah, and so we'll get to those alligators when we get to them. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna yeah. be pretty oh, soon. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, they're they're worried about Robomen, who of course they do run into. They do. And, and they do. And so they're kind of on the run and they're kind of having a confrontation with the robo men. And they're able to. And they get to a ladder. And Susan's <laughs> climbing down the ladder when the ladder breaks. And of course, what is waiting for her at the bottom of the ladder that she's like hanging off of? Why, one of those aforementioned alligators, my dear boy. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> Man, uh, I guess you, they probably. How hard would it have been to just film some alligators, right? It I mean, was they, hard. But, it was hard to know what was going on here. To be perfectly yeah. honest, uh, and so she's like hanging there, and then in a separate shot, you had alligators. But they were baby alligators. They used <laughs> to film these, and so you have these baby alligators like menacing. But even though they're like, there's no scale, so you you kind of can't tell how big they really are. It's still right. obvious they're not like full grown beastly alligators. <laughs> Yeah, this was not. Yeah, this was not the finest action sequence the show has ever done, even up to this point. Um, but they, David, David kills the alligator, or at least fires at it. Who the hell knows? Yeah. And then they, this where Tyler says he found the doctor, and they'll go off together. So yeah, no, no point to any of this. It rocks. No. Yeah, uh. total waste of time. Um, do you is it, you want to go back up with? Uh, so let's go uh, to Jenny. and Jenny, yeah. And so <laughs> they're in the middle of London. It's going to be a firebomb. They they know they're going to get out there. Uh, they Barbara wants to go because she knows Ian's still on the saucer. So she wants to go to the mining place to find Ian, and she hopes to try to find Susan and the doctor on the way. But she's going to the one place she knows one of her friends is. But first, they have to get out of the city without being killed by Daleks. Right. Well. Luckily, at the museum that they're at, and I actually thought this was pretty clever. Um, they find they find a truck or a, a lorry, if you will. Um, we are in the UK, after all. And they said they're going to fix that up. They fix that up, and now they're going to use that to drive up to Bedfordshire, where the mining the mining town is. Um, Jenny's not super uh, optimistic, but Barbara 
kind of talks her into it. Uh, so now they're in this truck. Um, where they run into this Dalek roadblock. And you know what? I lied. I remember there's actually two moments in this episode I liked. Um, okay. And uh, oh, this is one of them. Um, well, when you're faced with a, uh, a roadblock full of Daleks, um, what's your, well, <laughs> what are your options here? Um, what do they decide to do here? She just fucking runs them over. I mean, loved it. Loved it. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was, <laughs> Look, she, I mean, they literally like filmed like a truck hitting some Daleks. It was, it was yeah. awesome. Look, the straight, the straightest, what, what is that? Was the quickest path between two points is a straight line. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was a bold, bold move by Barbara. And they, they, they're like, that won't work a second time, which. I feel like you have to say in order to try to keep the, the Dalek menace going, but it's still, it was, uh, right. Cause it was great. to be honest, you could sit there and go, yeah, it could get everyone, get in the truck. Like <laughs> this, this is going to be over. It's, <laughs> it's a little like in X-Men movies when they have to find reasons to keep uh, Quicksilver out of the, uh, fight scenes. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's, um, there's no story, but at the same time, yeah. it's fun to run over Dalek. So you, you're walking a oh, fine yeah. line here. It's much more fun. <laughs> Which I guess um, leaves us with Larry and Ian. Yeah? Larry and Ian. So they're on the saucer. And the oh, saucer you know what? Doesn't this, the saucer blows up the truck, doesn't it? It does. I forgot. So that's how they get rid of that. Sure, yeah, they, they have to bail on the truck and then it gets blown up. So the Daleks All think right. they were inside of it and they're able to escape that way. All right. Which leaves us with Larry and Ian. Um, they're they're in the Bedfordshire countryside. Um, they find uh, just a harrowing shot of human slaves pulling like a carriage full of metal parts, <laughs> um, getting whipped. So that that there you go. Yeah. Um, for for fun and for business. Um, this is where they run into a man called Wells who thinks that they're trying to escape. Um. <laughs> Which I guess is I guess is fair. Um, yeah, uh, and of course you know uh, Ian's just trying to figure. He's just kind of going for the ride, and Larry's trying to find his brother, and so. Right. Um, yeah. um, a robo man shows up and tries to robotize them, um, and Wells, to his credit, kind of stands up for them and kind of gets attacked for um, uh, his purposes here, but um, mm-hmm. you know, for his troubles. But uh, Ian and Larry. Uh, they 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 are able to subdue and knock out the Robo Man, and uh, this is where Wells and <laughs> I had forgotten about this this thread, and I don't remember how. It, to be honest, I don't remember how this plays out. So this is gonna be a this is gonna be a fun surprise for me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wells tells him that he's here to meet a man called Ashton, who is a kind of a black market weapons dealer. Is that well, he he smuggles in food and ah yes. And just other basic necessities that the Daleks aren't providing the workers, and and Wells is kind of the guy looking after the workers. Got it. I enjoyed uh, from the special. Wells is in the, is in the final three episodes of this, uh, but he was only actually contracted. The actor was only contracted for this one. He was able to talk himself in <laughs> two more episodes. Oh, yeah. uh, just just by being like, "Hey, I, I'm down." And he's like, "Well, we do need someone to lead the revolution." That can be me, and it made sense. I mean, his character leaves. It's just funny. <laughs> he wasn't actually yeah. in it before. He wasn't like, but, there was no plan for it to be. 
Yeah, sometimes if you just stick around and talk to the right people, you can extend your career by a couple extra weeks. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Ian's like, all right, let's go meet Ashton. Let's get back to London. And Wells is like, well, <laughs> the thing about London um, is that it's been destroyed. Yeah. Which is not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Not not the ideal uh, state for London, I would argue. No, and this get this uh, is this is all leading to um, my real favorite moment of the episode. Inside, it's kind of all I ever want to talk about on the show ever again. Um, you know, they meet Ashton, but not before uh, running into a mysterious creature. Um, uh, <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, the slither here, so. This episode is an obvious episode where they're just stretching for time. And so they needed one more obstacle. They needed something to present danger. And so what they decided was that the Daleks had like a a pet uh, (laughs) um, named the Slither, which they brought with them. And so they're just roaming around the countryside killing people. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And um, I wish the Slither had been around for... Uh, 10,000 more episodes. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it comes back in some other forms. I don't know. Um, but the Slither's definitely in this episode. And um, I, I guess <laughs> in the week between this episode and the next, I guess the Slither was sort of a, sort of a big hit as, if the special features um, were any indication. Uh, I guess they were talking about how like there's you know, like, just network promos for uh, you know, Watch Our Heroes Take On the Mysterious Slither. <laughs> um, uh, which, which, which they certainly do uh, now Ashton, Wells and Ian and Larry and Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice are all in this, uh, all in this shack now and the Slither's about to kill them now they gotta figure out what the hell they're gonna do here So and it does attack and kill Ashton who's kind of portrayed as this amoral guy who's profiteering off of the suffering of a human uh, mm-hmm. and the apocalypse so you know, he he gets rewarded with that by yeah. just being killed by the slither, and the episode ends with Larry and Ian being uh, they come up to a cliff on one side and the slither on the other. Oh man! So uh, another sort of literal cliffhanger here. Um, yeah, I mean, better than the better than the last one. For sure, better than last. They weren't hanging this time, but there's still a cliff involved. Oh gosh, was that also the keys of Meredith? No, no, no. That was the Daleks, actually. Uh, oh, Terry Nation well, is apparently a fan of Cliff. Well, look, if you got a Cliff, you got to hang off it, baby. That's <laughs> uh, Sylvester Stallone knows that. Famously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to episode five, The Waking Ally. Um, this is ba- so <laughs> they find like a they find like a mining bucket that. Uh, they, they jump into here. The Slither tries to jump after them. Uh, but Ian, <laughs> Ian beans it with a rock, and then that's the end of the Slither. <laughs> yeah, it just falls and dies. Yeah, a little um, anticlimactic. But yeah. what, what, what is one to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so now they're in, the, yeah, they're in this uh, bucket, and they decide they're going to, they being, of course, Ian and Larry, they decide mm-hmm. they're just going to hang out there and just make sure everything's good. And then, uh, of course, uh, what happens? Well, the bucket decides it starts to descend. It starts going down. 
we've continued this trend of uh, Ian just ending up in the wrong hiding spot at the wrong time mm-hmm. <laughs> at all at all given points. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Definitely been a trend for season two for sure. Yeah, but I do think that the uh, the the series the serial picks up from here. Um, I think this is kind of we're kind of yeah. marching towards the end game here. It, honestly, yeah, like like we talked about before, this one I I think in general it justifies the six episode run. The only episode where I'm like. This is Dragon was episode four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, you know, they go down this shaft. Um, they jump out before the bucket totally tips over. Larry hurts himself. Ian's fine. Um, and they're trying to figure out what they're mining for. I, I'm, I'm sticking with the trend of sticking with one character's story here. Yeah, for now. That, that works for this episode, too. Yeah. Larry's brother thinks that the Daleks are trying to get to the core of the Earth, which... Uh, Ian is a bit incredulous about. Um, yeah, they run into another working party that's led by another robo man. Um, mm-hmm. So their 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 plan here is to try to blend in with the slaves and try not to get noticed. Um, how does that go for them? Not well. Of course, they they are noticed uh, <laughs> by the robo man, and of course, who the who's the robo man? Larry's brother. Larry's brother Phil. It's uh... I actually like this scene a lot. It's I liked it too. It's over dramatic, but I liked it. Um... I liked what it was trying to do. Um, it's, 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 it was over dramatic, and it happened. No one dies that quickly. Is the is the other no, problem? Especially since they die by strangulation. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it was it was kind of Shakespearean, you know, in, yeah. in, the, in the, what it was trying to do. Basically, uh, Larry, like, is his brother Phil, and he's like, Phil, it's me. Don't you recognize me? And then Phil doesn't because he's a real man. He tries to kill him. And then Larry, in response, tries to kill him. And they kill each other at the same time. Um, but then Phil, as he's dying, says Larry. And so it, it seemed like he there was a point of recognition in there, which is adds to the tragedy of Larry yeah. and Phil. And I actually think this is a moment where the low production values of the show actually plays to its benefit. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole scene's kind of intense in a way that it may not have been if it had been shot with a higher budget. Because it's, it's, it's almost like a... It's, it's not quite like a... Um, oh, it's, you know, like one of those like documentary-style movies from the 50s or something that... Uh, to, you know, you would have seen in America, but um, it was—I don't know—it was just a little bit more. I feel like if it has been shot with a higher budget, it would have been maybe shot from further away slightly. But no, the camera's like in the faces of these actors. I see your point, and I agree. I think I think the directing did the best they could with it, uh, and it, it more or less works. Yeah, I think so. Uh. Okay, so this is the next, the next move Ian makes. Uh, they hook back up with Jenny and Barbara. So we can either jump back over to uh, yeah, Susan. So, we can... so, so he, well, yeah, so Ian runs in the, or he doesn't run into him, but he sees Jenny and Barbara. So let's talk about how Jenny and Barbara got down there. Okay, so this is my favorite, this is my favorite section of this episode. Um, okay. They're on the road trying to fi- find the mining town. And they end up on, like, in the shack with these two women who are a little off. Um, and uh, Barbara and Jenny are like, "Who are you people?" And it's 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 learned that uh, these women 
basically make clothes for the slave workers in exchange for food from the Daleks, and the Daleks leave them alone. But that was really interesting. Right, it was. It was for sure. And then, of course, um, they seem like good guys. Like, they're going to shelter... Uh, they need to shelter... Uh, they're going to shelter Barbara and Jenny. But then they don't. They betray them and tell the Daleks that they're here. What a heel turn this was. And so Barbara and Jenny are captured by the Daleks and put into uh, the slave slave camp, which is, of course, how Ian sees them down there. Yep. Uh, and that ties that together quite nicely. Um, but Barbara okay. is not without her wits. And Barbara has a plan. Yes. Her plan... Uh, uh, yeah, do, do you want do you want to give oh, yeah. it, do you want do you want to say what the plan is or she still has what's his name um, journal Dortmund Dortmund Dortmund's journal about how to defeat the Daleks and so she she goes to the Daleks and so her basic plan is to just get into the command room mm-hmm. see if she can get there and so she tells them hey I got I got these plans here uh, and let's you know so I need I need to you know and she acts like she's gonna betray the resistance and so she's like uh let me you know take me to your leader so i can tell you about these these resistance plants yeah and that's kind of where hers hers ends i think um yeah and so yeah do you want to talk about the doctor and susan before we get to the ian yeah. Um. The doctor. Uh, the doctor and Susan and um, uh, David kind of fight off some of the Roma men that are um, pursuing them, and they kind of beat them back into the sewers. Um. The doctor uh, literally hits uh, one of the Roma men with his cane, which I quite liked. Um. And this is where they uh, kind of figure out. Well, actually, there's a nice little moment of morality from um, the doctor here. Um. The David asks why he didn't try to kill the why he didn't kill any of the Robo men and. The doctor says, I don't kill anything unless uh, there's an immediate threat to my life. I'd argue there was, but still, um, it's a nice Agreed. little moment of uh, moral code from the doctor. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, and, you know, Susan and David are off um, flirting and you know, pecking each other on the lips and whatever, whatever gross things young people do. <laughs> but the doctor is sort of trying to, he's, he's mulling over like what's... Um, what the end game here might be. And um, he's, there's a specific turn of phrase used here. Um, he's worried that the, there's something deep beneath the earth that the Daleks are tampering with. And he specifically says tampering with the forces of creation, which is very intense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. But it, yeah, it kind of, uh, yeah. I think the is good to, to kind of hype up the final episode kind of going into it. Yeah, absolutely. And as it happens, I think is it here that we figure out what the end game is? No, we don't find the end game until the next episode. Okay, but we do uh, know because this is where they sent Ian down. He hides inside of uh, a device that ends up being a penetrating device. The old fool. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, he always hides in the wrong place. But it's good that he, of course, that's how it how it ends because he's hiding in a, pen, in a penetrative explosive that's going to fall into a big shaft. And that's kind of where the episode ends. Yeah, which gets us to the final episode of the serial, Flashpoint. 
and it's here as this as the uh, as the device goes down the shaft that's going into the middle of the earth. The Do- the Daleks kind of reveal their plan here, and uh, I don't know. If, do you want to take the honors of explaining what their plan is here? Uh, well, their their plan is to um, blow up the the core of the earth so they can move it and pilot it. <laughs> so, so they can, so, to be clear, they want to turn the Earth into a vehicle. <laughs> God bless. Uh, it was amazing. Okay. But what stops them is Ian tampering with the wires and using his knowledge as a scientist yeah. to plan. He doesn't even know what's like going it. on. He's able to ruin their plans just through opportunism and his intelligence. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Meanwhile, uh, Barbara and Jenny are with the Daleks. I, uh, I, I love this scene, but we're going. I love it, too. This is where um, Barbara tries to solve her time by giving them kind of all these uh, details about this mutiny that she supposedly has information on. And what's unique about it is that um, she kind of uses these old, like, historical references of other mutinies in the past. So she talks about, you know, the Boston Tea Party and... Uh, you know, it talks about you know, Robert E. Lee, uh, Hannibal, not Lecter, of course, but um, I thought this was really unique and kind of another way to kind of sneak in some uh, educational nuggets. Uh, uh, yeah, love but that But of scene. course, uh, she's stalling for a time when she, she brings it up because they see the Roboman control there. And so Barbara and Jenny conspire to try to take control of the Roboman and tell them to turn on the Daleks. And it almost works. Uh, that's something I really, I really enjoyed. Barbara yeah. almost like saves the day on her own here. Yeah, that's a great point. Of course, she's not able to, but they get really, really close. And then the Daleks don't kill them for no reason. Um, yeah, there's no need. No, they just clamp them down to like. <laughs> they're like, oh, don't worry, the bomb will kill them. The, yeah, it's like, or you can kill them. Like you've been yeah. killing everybody else. Who right? Just... I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things, and. These action shows, Daleks yep. will be sugar happy with most most nameless characters out there. But once a character has a name, they're a bit reluctant. Yep, that's how it goes. Uh, so Susan and David go off to destroy uh, something, an, an aerial, I guess. That's kind of well. Something else happens here too. Uh, Ian is able to get out of the bomb, and he puts like. A pole down the shaft. Right, 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 uh, right. That'll, that'll stop the passage of the bomb, but the Daleks are unaware of him doing this. Uh, yeah, that, that's going to be critical here to what happens. But of course, um, the, here and here the doctor's plan goes, in, goes into motion. Right. He ends up, uh, he neutralizes the warning system, uh, which is pretty clever. Um, <laughs> And he and Tyler work their way down into the mine, uh, go into the control room, free Jenny and Barbara. Well, and, and of course, uh, Dave and Susan have been found on their own mission to take away the Daleks' power. Right. Uh, so in conjunction, so I think the plan here is neutralize uh, their source of power. Once they're shut down, uh, well, Barbara's just going to run back plan A again and... Yeah get to the microphones and tell the Roboman. She tries to disguise her voice here, which I thought was uh, kind of funny. Yeah, um, I'm not sure it would have mattered, but I agree. It was, it was a good touch. It's, from, it's, it's the same move the villain made from uh, mm-hmm. Land of Giants <laughs> or Planet of Giants. Right. 
um, <laughs> to similar effect, but you know, actually, uh, much uh, much better effect because uh, this this works on the um, the Robomen turn on the Daleks, and it's actually kind of a funny revolt because they just like pick up the Daleks. <laughs> uh, it, should, it should be mentioned that the, the Daleks had thrown the bomb down the shaft prior to being yep. immobilized, but. It didn't matter because the bomb didn't go down far enough to do any serious damage to the Earth, but they still had to evacuate uh, before it went off. Yeah, but uh, and go yeah, off it does. And go off, and of course, in the confusion of the revolution, they all meet up with Ian, and they're all, you know, this, uh, in the same place together. This felt like a major achievement, even for like the Doctor and his companions. I mean, they've done a lot, but this feels like a big deal. <laughs> For, I mean, yeah, I don't think they've ever stopped an alien invasion of any planet to I this point. I, I definitely think they, they raised the stakes with this one. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But this kind of gets us to the last scene. And, uh, you know, this is uh, Carol Ann Ford's um, big departure. Um, you know, David's basically telling her, hey, stay here and rebuild with me. And uh, Susan's saying, I don't, I don't, my grandfather needs me. I don't want to choose between the two of you. And the doctor, you know, listening to all this goes in and locks the doors. <laughs> Basically says, I, you don't have to choose. You're a grown woman now. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, what, what do you think of this scene? I thought it was perfect. I think the uh, doctor has a nice dignity to him for this uh, sequence that I think um, really sells all of it. Again, it all, it's all maybe uh, vaguely unearned because uh, Susan's character only got beefed up right before she was about to leave. But, you know, <laughs> I think given everything, this departure scene was about as good as it possibly could have been. I thought it was well performed. Probably better than it could have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Again, William Hart knows what makes it work, but Carolyn Ford puts in work here, too. Uh, I, you know, uh, I think it's a dignified end for a character that didn't always have a whole lot of it. Um, what do you think of it? Uh, oh, it's, it's great. Um, you know, and it, it is interesting. It wasn't Susan's choice to even leave the TARDIS necessarily. It was the doctor chose for her, but I also felt that made sense for the character. You know, yeah. Susan has been very tied to the doctor and, uh, and of course, that, that final speech was written by, I think I mentioned earlier, written by David Whitaker instead of mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the first Doctor's best like speech in general. Um, and it's, it's perfect. It's, it's a great, great dialogue, I think. A uh, great monologue. And it, yeah. uh, it, all, it all hits the... And I think it helps that behind the scenes, William Hartnell was really upset that Caroline Ford was leaving because I, I think that's genuine emotion that he's showing in that scene that really plays through. Uh, I mean, you can tell the doctor's very, very heartbroken that he's not only doing this, but he has to do it for Susan because he knows she is not going to leave him right. without it. Yeah. Um, and this is something I learned uh, researching this. Apparently there was a show called the Doomsday Armageddon Apocalypse. Okay. Which was a U.S. TV show in 2008. 
Oh, no, no, no. That's the name of the episode. The show's called The Middleman. Okay. And, and it did not do very well. This, this show did not do very well. So in its final episode, when it got canceled, it actually quotes that speech verbatim in the episode. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know. I don't think that speech has gotten so famous to where people are aware of it outside of the Doctor Who fandom. But it is a well-known speech and a really well-liked speech for the show. Yeah, if I'm if I'm if I'm really fancy pants with the editing, I can even throw the uh, speech in right here. So uh, if you're hearing yeah. this, if you're hearing this, here it is. All the years I've been taking care of you, you and the town have been taking care of me. Can't I belong with you? Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild, and always will be. But now you're a woman too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David and not with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. It's a nice little touching note to go out on. And um, kind of implies a, a better character than we got. But, I, you know, she didn't die in battle. She, 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 you know, she's living her, living her life. I think that's a wonderful thing. Right. And, but I do kind of like... It ended, didn't, they didn't put a cliffhanger in it because I think that would have kind of stepped on the emotion of the scene. Yeah. And it's also kind of, it's kind of bittersweet a little bit. You know, Susan is starting a new life with someone else, but losing the life she had with someone she loved at the same time, which I think is an appropriate emotion for a companion exit. Yeah. I think that's a nice note to go out on. Uh both for the Dalek invasion of Earth and for this episode of Pop Culture Historians. Um, did you want to quickly sneak a peek at uh, what we'll be talking about next? Before we well, wrap next, up up, next up, we have a two-episode serial, so a short one, called The Rescue. Ooh. Uh, and it's actually going to be written by David Whitaker. We talked about him at the, the top of the episode. So, well, well, well. Uh, he's no longer skipped editor. And, this is, and the rescues is the first one that was actually filmed for season two as well. And Got so, it. But uh, yeah, so even though he's no longer a script editor, he's still going to be a part of the show for a little bit. And yeah, so uh, the rescue, and I don't know. I mean, I think I'll just leave that one ambiguous because I feel like the rescue could be about anything. Sure. I mean, obviously there's a rescue involved, but. Um, I, I, I have a, I have a, well, I don't know. I, I have a gut feeling about this, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll save it. And, uh, oh, well, what's, you, your prediction? what's your prediction? Yeah. Well, the last time there was like a two episode serial that was this short, it was kind of to fill a gap. And, mm. um, I have to wonder if there's, a, if there's an emergency reason for having to do a short, quick serial. But anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, just postulating. Okay. Yeah. Well, with that, yeah, uh, the doctor's party is down to three. There's still only two pop culture historians. Uh, that's me, Ryan Ritter, and uh, that's him, Jimmy McShane. 
Uh, join us next week for the return. Uh, if you like what you heard, rate and review. If you don't, also rate and review. But just, you know, not on iTunes or anything. Uh, let's see. Uh, words of wisdom to go out on. Uh, uh, you know what? If you have a great bomb, <laughs> uh, plan ahead. Don't, no need to sacrifice yourself. We still need oh, you, buddy. Test it. Test it before you use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just make, make a few. Yeah. You know, that's all. Uh, but with that, uh, with Pop Culture Historians, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>